Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Holy Metal Podcast, a show that promotes Christian heavy metal across the globe. I'm your host, Bradley Biggs, and today we have a very special guest who joins us all the way from Ontario, Canada. Believe it or not, this man is actually an up-and-comer on the Christian metal scene, and based on his talent, I would have assumed he's been doing this for years. Single-handedly, he has created some of the finest progressive death metal on the market. Here to talk to us about his brand new EP titled The Church is at Fault, I'm thrilled to welcome the sole member of the band Elephant Watchtower, Mr. Peter Watson. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. It is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me, my friend. So, Peter, as you know, I am a massive fan of the new EP. Um, so far, I've listened to it probably about 10 times over. Um, I'm so excited to hear more of the backstory behind the album. But first, I would love to hear more of your backstory, both as a Christian and as a musician. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, um, do you have maybe a distinct moment or memory of when you first accepted Jesus into your heart? And did you ever expect that he would speak to you through heavy metal? Um, I was raised in a Christian home. So I've known of Jesus my whole life, but it wasn't something I really took seriously until I was probably... 15, 16 years old. Uh, I, you know, had a lot of personal issues growing up. And of course, when I was a teenager and eventually after, you know, seeking a bunch of other things to try and deal with those issues, I came to the realization that God's the only permanent answer. Yeah, man, totally. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm thrilled that both of us recognize that he is the only permanent solution. For sure. And the situations you described are very much present on the new EP, but in ways that fans of other types of music may not be able to pick up on as easily. Could you explain in your own words a little bit about what progressive death metal is comprised of? Sure. Uh, To me, it it can comprise of absolutely anything. I think the term progressive uh, should be synonymous with no boundaries. So essentially what I think progressive death metal needs to be is rooted in your uh, traditional death metal, but then borrowing from any other different type of music you might want. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, in terms of of the lyrics on this album, I know that on your Instagram account, you you summarized what each song was about. And I would love if maybe you could reiterate a little bit of that for our listeners so that way they can get, you know, a flavor of what's what's on the album. Sure, sure. Uh, Lyrics were something I struggled with my whole life. I've always been a very musically based person, but uh, lyrics weren't something I really even thought about or appreciated that much until later on in my life. And when I first started trying to write lyrics, it was a, a huge, huge struggle for me. So uh, I, I took it to the Lord and I asked him what he wanted me to write about. And all of these things eventually culminated into the three songs that are on the EP. So uh, the first song is called Sin of the Third Circle. And uh, lyrically, it's definitely the most personal song of the three. Uh, Essentially, it's a take on the uh, Italian poem Dante's Inferno. And uh, in Dante's Inferno, it depicts this fictitious type of hell where there's different circles of hell. And depending on which of the uh, seven deadly sins each person struggles with is going to depend on which circle you go to. And the third circle is for people who are gluttonous. And so I was reading that. 
And I thought to myself, man, if I were to go to any of those, it would definitely be the third one, you know, because I have a, uh, I've always had, you know, I've struggled with addiction my whole life. And uh, I just have that type of personality where I'm an extremist with everything, you know, so I, uh, I took the, the gluttonous aspect of that and sort of spun it to make it, uh, to make the song more about addiction as a whole, it's instead of just strictly gluttony. Uh, and so uh, essentially the song is almost like a letter to myself from like me, from a, a sober head state and a sober head space talking to the most addicted version of myself and saying, if you keep going down this uh, path of selfishness, then this is where you're going to end up, you know? Yeah, man, that's a great idea. Yeah. Very well the, uh, executed. The second song. Yeah, thank you. The, the second song is called Psalm of Indoctrine. Uh, which is, uh, it's confusing, I think, without context. I've actually had lots of people who read that song and then thought like I was some anti-Christian or satanic type person, you know, because if you, uh, if you don't have the story behind it, I think naturally it could be confusing. So essentially what that song's about is it's written from the perspective of a pastor who works in a church and basically wants to manipulate his congregation and take advantage of the people there in order to make himself rich and make himself famous and sort of turn himself into a deity. Uh, you know, and it's, um, it, it's really sad to say this, but you know, in North America, that's not uncommon to see at all. And I think it's actually even more common than a lot of people are willing to admit, you know, I, it's something I've seen firsthand myself and, you know, living in a small town in Ontario. So if that's something you can see living somewhere where I am, then surely it's, uh, you know, everywhere else in North America, a lot more prevalent than people might think on bigger scales and on smaller scales. And it's something, uh, it's something where, you know, I've always thought that this type of music that's sort of rooted in aggression should have aggressive lyrics to go along with it. But when you look at the Bible, and you look at who Jesus was aggressive with, he was never aggressive towards uh, people who mocked him or people who, uh, you know, didn't believe, you know, like even when he was on the cross and people were spitting on him, he wasn't mad. He said, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right. So in hindsight, I'm not mad at people like atheists or people like Satanists because they know not what they do. But the people who Jesus always got angry at were people who were taking advantage of the Lord, you know, when he went and flipped tables in the temple because people were in the church trying to make money and turn it into a marketplace, you know, that's where the Lord's anger was directed. And so that's really where I try and direct all my anger to and where I try and direct um, my lyrical focus. If it's based in aggression, it needs to be based in a righteous sort of aggression. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, totally. I think you hit the nail on the head there. A righteous anger is kind of, you know, the best way that I could describe the lyrics that are present on the album. And another thing that I love about the EP is its instrumentation, right? All throughout the three tracks, you have these thundering drums that serve as the perfect backdrop for your vocals as well as for the guitar work. It's so incredibly layered, and I think it's also complemented so well by the more understated elements mm -hmm. that uh, listeners may not come across the first time hearing it. For example, in the in the title track, The Church is at Fault, toward the end, you very tactfully include a recording of Isaiah 57, verse 8, 
and it comes from the King James Version, which is the most heavy metal sounding of all the translations. <laughs> and I have uh, the verse right here for those of you who don't. It says, Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. So this is a very powerful verse to me, and I'm curious to know how it ended up in the song. Awesome. I'm glad you caught that, Matt. I didn't know it was kind of buried under some stuff, so I didn't know if it would uh, if it would stand out, but I'm glad that uh, you were able to pick that out. Uh, but so essentially that song, uh, I wrote it after doing a little bit of a missions trip in India where we were uh, a couple friends of mine and people from my church. We were sort of running a VBS camp at a bunch of different orphanages. And I, you know, it was the first time I had ever really seen true poverty on a third world scale. And, and the only thing I could kept thinking to myself was, man, how can we be in North America with churches that are massive and stadiums and have these extremely expensive lighting racks and pyrotechnics and smoke machines. And you've got pastors that have private jets and mansions and are millionaires. What if we took all that money and instead of making trying to make ourselves look bigger and trying to make ourselves look greater, what if we put it towards helping people? You know, what if we put it towards trying to actually make the world look different, trying to clothe the naked, trying to feed the hungry? You know, because the way I see it, we have the money to do it. You know, we're just spending it wrong. We're just spending it on different things that we shouldn't be spending it on. You know, and I think if we if we dedicated less money to the smoke machine budget and we put more money towards important things like that, then I think the world could look a lot different. And that was uh, coming back from India was actually the thing that really lit a fire under me to start taking this uh, this music project really seriously. So that's kind of where why I put Isaiah, uh, the Isaiah 57 or 58 in there, was uh, just because I thought it reflected the heart of the song and, and the uh, the message that God wanted me to put a- across. I thought it reflected that really well. Yeah, well, I would I would definitely be inclined to agree with that. Um, I think it it really is in the power of the church, you know, as you said, to to change the way that um, you know money is distributed, and I think we will definitely see that as sort of a, a revival movement from, from the grassroots churches and, you know, hopefully kind of a sp- spreading upward, having an effect where more people are starting to do that. And, you know, a- along the lines of, you know, more understated elements of the album, another thing that I caught and, and I would love to hear more about this is in the first track, uh, Sin of the Third Circle, I believe just before the vocals come in, um, you included the opening line of of H.G. Wells's War of the Worlds. W- <laughs> was there something about this line that spoke to you in particular? Uh, honestly, no. That was sort of a last minute, um, uh, a last minute thing where basically I was wrapping up the the album. I'd set a deadline on myself, and I was super close to not making it. And I'd spent so much time on this. I knew I wanted some type of speech there. And, uh, you know, I, I looked up something that I could use that I wouldn't have to pay for to get the rights for. And I found out that War of the Worlds recently became uh, public domain. So I'd get to use it for free. So that's why that's oh. in there. There's literally no other reason. That's terrific. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very neat. And from what you've said overall, you know, I, I get the picture that this album has a lot of complexity to it. 
which begs the question that I've been wanting to ask you, um, how, how long did the churches at fault take you to create from start to finish? Uh, longer than it should have, for sure. Uh, basically, I started this having uh, not made any music before. I had been writing like riffs on guitar. I've been playing guitar for like, you know, well over a decade. So I've been writing little guitar parts for years, but I've never actually sat down to write a full song. And I knew the type of music I wanted to make would take a lot of time to to not only create and to write, but to learn how to to create and write and record properly. And in addition to that, my budget was super limited. You know, so I didn't have money to to send it to someone else to like mix or master. So I had to learn how to do that all myself. Wow. And then in addition to that, I had like a bunch of technical issues, like my the laptop I was using broke oh, halfway no. through. So I had to <laughs> me and me and my girlfriend ended up going to the bank and getting a credit card just so we could max out the credit card to buy a computer so I could finish it. You know, it was just Seriously, man, there was chaos after chaos after chaos. So what should have been like a seven-month process ended up taking about a year to do, you know, and that was a year like I wasn't working. That was just full-time, nonstop, head down, uh, grinding away at it. So it it nearly damaged my sanity, but I'm glad that it's all out of the way. It's so typical of things like that when you're trying to spread the news of the gospel, right, and the news of Jesus for things to go wrong. It it happens all too often. And and as you know, for our listeners who, who you know, weren't able to hear this, <laughs> in doing the first take of this podcast, my laptop just completely freaked out and the microphone went dead and we had all sorts of technical problems. So you know that you're in the right spot when things start going wrong because... The enemy won't want you to spread that message, but That's what's it, important man. is Honestly. that you pushed past it and you left us with a great piece of music. That really just leaves one question left that, that I have for you, which is, as fans, what can we expect from Elephant Watchtower in the future? Will there ever be maybe a Churches at Fault Part 2? Are you still feeling called by the Holy Spirit to, to write more music? Yeah, there's definitely going to be lots more music in the future. Um that's going to be released much faster than this took to make because I've finally, thankfully figured myself out, <laughs> you know, regarding te- technical stuff, you know. Excellent. <laughs> so either late this year or early next year, I'm thinking there's going to be another EP or possibly a full album, depending on uh, what happens. Uh, in, in addition to that, there's going to be some physical copies of The Church at Fault coming out soon. That's uh, something that I'm working on. I don't, exa- I don't have an exact timeline for that yet, but it'll be in the near future. Uh, but possibly some merchandise too, depending on the demand, but all, all those things are coming together for sure. I am so excited to see what the future holds for you and, and your band. I love the, this first offering that you gave us, and I just can't wait to see what comes next. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate the kind words. Peter, it was an honor to have you on the show. I pray that God would, would continue to bless your life as well as Elephant Watchtower. I will definitely stay tuned to hear more updates about the band. And in the meantime, for you listeners out there, be sure to stream The Church is at Fault on Spotify, iTunes, and Bandcamp. Be sure to follow Elephant Watchtower on social media. Let Peter know what you think of the album, and may God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Bradley Biggs, and I will see you next time on Holy Metal Podcast.